my friends, and welcome to this, another edition of the Underdog Football Show. My name is Josh Norris. His name is Hayden Winks. Hayden, today it is what everyone wants. Once you get to the later rounds of your draft, you might be puzzled, you might stumble, you might not even know some of these players we might talk about today. But Hayden, we are here to help the people identify the overlooked, the undervalued, the ones that can help these people win some cash at the end of the season. It is the top 20 players outside the top 100. Sleepers Day. Hayden, how do you feel? I'm feeling great. How I view sleepers is I'm not looking for somebody that you draft in the 16th round that turns into a 12th round value. I want this guy you drafted late and he can actually be in your starting lineup. So somebody that's like not going to be in a, a committee if all things break out and like, I want this guy, you like him in your flex spot when it comes to week seven, week eight. So it's kind of higher uh, ceiling sleepers. That's at least how I define it. Trying to find the next James Robinson, Chase Claypools, maybe a couple of rookies make appearances on our list. And look to all of our, our loyal viewers and listeners. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for subscribing and reading our free draft guide, which is linked down below. You've probably heard some of these names, and to those of you who are new, welcome. And we're going to have some new names for you as well for everyone that is watching right now. So what we're going to do, actually, Hayden, pick 99 right now in ADP is Elijah Moore. So everyone after him on Underdog ADP is in this bucket that we can pick from. We're going to go rapid fire here, maybe two to three minutes per player. Hayden, we'll start off with you who is your lowest ADP, and then we'll move on from there. Michael Pittman being drafted at 107 overall last year. He, as a rookie, 36 in yards per out run versus man coverage. He ended up averaging 51 yards per game over his last 10 games after he kind of had a little brief stint on the injured reserve. When I watched him catch and run traits like you've never seen before, and coming from somebody that's six foot four, a very physical player, and at USC, he was a downfield threat, a lot of contested catches, Last year, he was used on slants, on screens, and looked pretty explosive for a player of that size. I'm very intrigued, and the reason why I like him as a breakout candidate this year, obviously Carson Wentz is probably going to be pulling the trigger more downfield, but also you just see a huge faith from the entire Colts organization. Chris Ballard's been on a couple podcasts offseason, and he said, yeah, everybody was telling us to, to address the wide receiver position. They could have uh, added somebody in free agency. They could have traded for Julio Jones. They didn't. The reason why they didn't is because I think they know that Michael Pittman has like true alpha traits. And this is the type of guy, not too many people were rostering him last year because he was kind of an average player. But this is the year where T.Y. Hilton's 32. Paris Campbell's just in 11 personnel only. 12 personnel stuff. Michael Pittman could be an every down player, a downfield player. I think that he has plenty of breakout potential off the tape too. Wide receiver 54, Michael Pittman is going right now. You and I actually have him at wide receiver 42. We're at 12 spots ahead in terms of just wide receiver ADP. Hayden, I'm guilty of this just a little bit. When you see significant injuries during early preseason action to the quarterback, to the best offensive lineman, there is an ADP bump. I kind of want to buy the ADP bump of both Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman now. Look, I think they're building the offense around the these two players. You have an alpha running back and you have someone with possible alpha wide receiver traits as well. Totally with you on Michael Pittman. 
And Hayden, I don't think that we're going to see a big increase before the season starts. So again, you're going to get him around this cost and he's going around the likes of Russell Gage, Corey Davis, and Marquise Brown. Really, really have to love that value. I think he'll be a flex early on in the season. And if he's as good as what I think that he could be, he could end up being like a wide receiver three plus yes. later in the season. I think that he's he's got that type of uh, a profile. Just the he looks the part. He had some breakout games last year, just kind of piecing it together. It's very easy to see him have this huge next step. Yeah, we kind of think it's a doomsday scenario for the Colts at this moment. It can't be, you know, like yep. in five weeks, this is a long season we're going to get from the Colts. And you can still get seven, eight, maybe even more starble weeks out of Michael Pittman in your best ball lineups, in your fantasy leagues as we go on. I will start with another wide receiver. He's actually going right next to Michael Pittman. One of my favorites, Marvin Jones, wide receiver 52, 106 ADP. I know he is 31 years old, but go ahead, shove the age model where the sun don't shine because Marvin Jones has a chance of being this team's number one wide receiver, but he's being drafted as a distant third Hayden Winks. I mean, LaVisca Chenault is going as wide receiver 35. DJ Chark is going as wide receiver 40. Again, I will repeat 12 spots later. There is Marvin Jones, one of the wide receivers that plays amongst the biggest in the NFL, a priority free agent signing on the second day of that period during this offseason has a connection with Daryl Bevel. We have questions throughout this Jaguars offense. There are zero questions with Marvin Jones. And again, wrong side of 30. I want him on every single team I'm drafting right now. He's the steady presence of an organization that has completely 180'd in the last couple months here. And Travis Etienne is going to be eating into LaVisca Chenault, who didn't even play in 11 personnel in the preseason game. Marvin Jones is not going to leave the field. If DJ Chark has a setback or if DJ Chark just isn't very good or if he butts head with Urban Myers, we know that Marvin Jones is a longtime vet in this exact offense. And if you watch Trevor Lawrence sling the ball all across the field, it is very easy to see how Marvin Jones has a couple spiked weeks, especially if the Jaguars' defense is bad, if the Jaguars are playing with pace. I think that he's being completely overlooked for a lot of reasons. He always seems to be overlooked, but I think this is another year where he's just going to be the steady presence in an offense that lacks a lot of steady presences right now. Yeah, and we've seen it during preseason action already. Look, LaVisca Chenault has one season in his college career and NFL career combined of, what, over 750 yards. DJ Chark has one as well. I think Marvin Jones has four to his name. This is absolutely a player that is perfect for bringing along a rookie quarterback. And Hayden, maybe a hint, a rookie quarterback we might be speaking about in a little bit. But go ahead. Number three. Another slightly older player, but he's not even that old, James Conner. Everybody wants to write him off. I think everyone assumed that James Conner was really bad last year. Maybe he was for fantasy purposes uh, uh, as a third-round pick, but that offensive line was brutal. I think that you can kind of separate what James Conner was doing from the Steelers' offensive line last year. Among twenty or uh, 63 qualifying running backs, James Conner was 33rd in yards after contact per carry, 19th in 15-yard run rate, and then 23rd in elusiveness rating. So he was not a miserable player. And when I watched him, there was still enough there. He wasn't like Todd Gurley fell off a cliff. There's more to that. And it's just, to me, you're not buying James Conner. You're buying a little ticket to the fastest paced offense. And this is kind of a bet against Chase Edmonds, who I love, but I love him as a role player. 
He's five foot nine, 210 pounds, one career carry inside the five yard line. He's never reached even a hundred carries in his career. What if James Conner was just Kenyon Drake from last year? Kenyon Drake was the RB 21 half PPR points. James Conner, you can draft him as like RB 40. So I think it's just a piece of this offense, a very fantasy friendly offense. And I don't think James Conner's completely washed yet. I do believe that the Cardinals are going to give Chase Edmonds like the first opportunity once we get there, but there's no lock that we one have a good evaluation of, of his game or that the Cardinals understand his evaluation or that he makes it all 17 games. And like you're talking about the ADPs for these two players are, are really opposite. I mean, Chase Edmonds right now is going in that quote unquote running back dead zone of, of running back 28. That's still pretty high draft capital to spend a player that we have a lot of question marks. So again, if you want a little taste of this offense, James Conner at running back 37 does make a lot of sense. And Hayden, I don't want to overlook this. There's been a lot of mention of Rondell Moore, some other players, maybe the changes we could see to the Arizona Cardinals offense this year. The number one difference is going to be Rodney Hudson at center because he is going to get the blocking schemes correct that I think has been a weakness of Cliff Kingsbury over his first few years in the NFL. That is exactly what this team needs. And like you said, inside the 10-yard line rushes, Kyler was great in it last year. Kenan Drake had ridiculous volume. Someone's going to get some of that. This year, maybe it can be James Conner. James Conner is just so much bigger than Chase Edmonds. I think at the very minimum, he's going to average 10 carries per game and be the goal line back. That already provides him with enough value on a couple weeks of the season when you're in bi-week hell. And then there's the contingency value. If Chase Edmonds gets hurt, it's James Conner in the Kenyon Drake role that we drafted him in the first and second round last year. So there's this huge upside just because of the offense. This is the sweet spot for quarterback selections. If you miss out on the Kyler Murray's on the Dak Prescott's on the Lamar Jackson's. And so let's hit on one of those names right now at 114 overall, it's Matthew Stafford as the quarterback 13. First, let's make the case for the Rams offense and namely the quarterback that was previously there. Jared Goff in 2018. Think of what you, you know of Jared Goff right now and think back to 2018, 32 touchdowns, which was six in the NFL fourth in yards in the NFL, okay? Then 2019, he was third in the NFL in passing yards. That season, he finished as the quarterback 21 in fantasy points per game. Hayden, how does a quarterback finish third in yards and then 21st in fantasy points per game? Because he's not good, okay? And because now Sean McVay is going to open up all these layups. He's going to manufacture so much space and good play calls to good skill position players. But what Matthew Stafford is going to do is when it's necessary to make a play outside of structure, when there's pressure, or or when the defense just has no clue what's going on and the perfect offensive play is called, he's also going to be the one to hit that downfield shot as well. I'm not asking Matthew Stafford to transform this Rams offense. I'm asking him to get the production that Jared Goff got in two straight seasons in 2019 and 2018, but then also throw that special arm talent that he has in willingness to make a play in distress that Jared Goff could never have. And that's why Matthew Stafford, to me, I absolutely love this spot at quarterback 13. The Rams are going to bounce back from like 12th in neutral offensive pace, probably back up to the top five under Matthew Stafford, just because this is going to get Sean McVay back into running 
more up-tempo just because he can trust Matthew Stafford to make the right plays uh, pre-snap and post-snap. So I think that you can make a good argument for every single Rams player, like Daryl Henderson, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Tyler Higby, and Matthew Stafford, and a couple other deep sleepers for that wide receiver three spot. The, the neutral offensive pace is coming back for the Rams this year. And no matter what you think of Daryl Henderson, he's not Cam Akers, right? And so if Daryl Henderson, the same ankle injury pops up, he's ended you know, the last two seasons with an injury, or he's just not quite the talent that they wanted at the running back spot, guess who's going to have more responsibility on this team? Look, we, we've seen great quarterbacks take over offenses when it's not going correct. We know the defense is probably going to be very good. And guess what? Matthew Stafford, there is a reason why there's so much positive buzz from that camp right now in regards to Matthew Stafford and around the teams that missed out on Matthew Stafford in the trade scenarios in January. All right, going to one of your favorite uh, pre-draft prospects, Terrace Marshall. He's being drafted at 121 overall. My pre-draft model had him as an 88th percentile prospect. We're talking about a 20-year-old early declare from the Power Five massively productive at LSU. He averaged 104 yards per game last season when he was competing with Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. He had a bunch of touchdowns. We're talking about somebody that's big, really long arms, 43840, 39-inch vertical. I mean, this is the guy that profiles as a legit NFL player. We think that he's going to start in the slot immediately for the Panthers. This was a role that was semi-productive with Curtis Samuel in it. They're totally different players, but the production was there. And DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson have missed a little bit of time in training camp. If either one of those guys gets injured at any point, Terrace Marshall has inside-outside versatility. He has the profile of somebody that can really emerge. I thought he was a boom-bust prospect coming out, but early reports from training camp make me want to believe in the boom rather than the bust. Oh, yes. I'm so glad you get to make the case for Terrace Marshall because I've been trying to make it all offseason, and it's worked, Hayden. I mean, in the last two months, Terrace Marshall has basically climbed three rounds in fantasy drafts at this moment, and I still think he might be undervalued. There's a chance that he leads all Panthers pass catchers in touchdowns this season. I mean, Robbie Anderson saw 12 red zone targets last year, one touchdown in that area of the field. DJ Moore saw nine red zone targets last season. Again, one touchdown. Those two great, great pass catchers, seven combined scores even in his like people are, are nervous about Chris McCaffrey and if he's going to come back and eat into this role that you know Curtis Samuel carved out last year as a 1,000 scrimmage yard player even in his best season Chris McCaffrey had four receiving touchdowns and what the Panthers do they sucked in the red zone last year so they go and sign Dan Arnold and then they draft Terrace Marshall who scored 13 touchdowns with Joe Brady along with Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase in that one season. If that number three pass catcher, as you alluded to, is more important than the number one tight end, and Terrace Marshall's wide receiver 58, I think there's a, a chance he scores as the top 40 wide receiver this year. If you're just talking about who can be the next Chase Claypool, a power five, big-time school prospect who didn't have the perfect profile coming out but is really athletic and is the number three receiver on his t- own team, that's like Terrace Marshall this year. Absolutely. All right. Before we move on, I want everyone and Hayden, if you could actually pull this up and share your screen for the draft guide, that would be awesome because I want everyone to see it out there. It is free down below. We are just coming up on the second week of preseason activity. We're going to do a huge update 
after this weekend because we learned a lot from the usage. We have those Monday shows as well. But then we're going to learn even more here in preseason week two. But if you are drafting this weekend, again, this is going to help you out. Cheat sheets, top 200 players that I'm targeting, I'm avoiding. Same with Hayden's players that he's targeting. And then look, our ideal draft right there from the 106 and 111 slot. And if you've never played best ball, guess what? We've got a promo code for 25 free bucks there for you right now. And we lay it out exactly what is best ball. It's the perfect way to prepare for your season-long league that we are trying to win for you right now. All right, I started with one quarterback last time in Matthew Stafford. I don't think there is a player in fantasy football that is more underappreciated and underdrafted right now than Trevor Lawrence. Quarterback 15, 125 overall. So much of football conversation right now when talking about this team is directed at LaVisca Chenault. Questions. DJ Chark, questions. Travis Etienne, what role? James Robinson, awesome rookie season. Has he already been replaced? If you don't know and have the unknown in all those elements, just draft the freaking quarterback that's going to have 17 games behind five starters along the same offensive line last year, and that's Trevor Lawrence. And Hayden, because Trey Lance is so mobile and so powerful as a runner, because Justin Fields is electric in terms of his 4-4 speed, we are overlooking the fact that Trevor Lawrence had 17 rushing touchdowns over the last two seasons. Quarterback 15, to me, is sorely, sorely underappreciated here for the number one overall pick in the 2021 class. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to hit the ground running. I'm not going to say the Jaguars are going to win eight games this season, but this is going to be potentially a top half of the NFL offense this year. When you think of Urban Meyer offenses, you think of speed, which they added a bunch in this offense, and you think of quarterback rushing production. In the 17 seasons Urban Meyer had in college, he had 14 quarterbacks that had at least 100 carries. Tim Tebow, ever heard of Tim Tebow? I thought that he was pretty productive on the ground at Florida. Uh, Alex Smith was productive. The Bowling Green teams, the Ohio State teams, all of those quarterbacks ran the football. Trevor Lawrence, I know he's not Trey Lance or Justin Fields athletically, but he's an awesome rusher. And I think that's the fantasy production. And I think that the Jaguars are going to play with plenty of tempo. We know that Trevor Lawrence can throw the football around. So really, it just comes down to how much is he going to rush? And I think that he's going to run the ball plenty enough. People are overlooking his athleticism. That's the one trait that I'm buying on right now. Absolutely. I mean, th- this is such a good spot for quarterbacks, like we alluded to. We even talked about the rookies yet. All right, Hayden. That is six down. Who is your number seven? Marcus Callaway being drafted 131st overall. If you're drafting on your just against your high school friends, I think you'll be able to get him later than this. I'm betting against Michael Thomas, a very serious uh, deltoid ligament tear in his ankle. It's a worse than a high ankle sprain for Michael Thomas. Traquan Smith, he only has one career game in the NFL with more than seven targets. I mean, we're going on to like his fourth or fifth year in the NFL has never been a target compiler Marcus Callaway had a couple games last year where he was a target compiler and everything about a training camp has been positive Nick Underhill says that Callaway has looked the part after a strong training camp after watching him in the preseason game and the first drive of that preseason game he had three catches for 61 yards who are they throwing the ball to I think Marquez Callaway can easily outproduce Traquan Smith Traquan Smith more of a one-trick pony Marcus Callaway I think has a chance to average six to eight targets until Michael Thomas comes out. 
And I think early on in the season, that's the perfect person to sneak in on, onto your bench in fantasy leagues. I think drafters have been super sharp. And they're basically drafting, like you alluded to, Traquan Smith and Marcus Callaway back-to-back right now. When as soon as Michael Thomas went down, Traquan was the one that that went through the roof. I'm a little nervous that we're ever going to see it with Traquan. It might just be hope and like put him next to Ashley Lilly as like the player that we always wanted production from James Hardy, a number of other players we can mention, and it just might not happen. Um, I, you and I have outlined this offense where we think it's going to be Taysom Hill. It might not be, but even with Taysom Hill, Marcus Callaway can still hit. Hayden, it's it's not out of the realm of possibility. He is their number one wide receiver, like you just said, maybe second on the team in receptions next to Alvin Kamara and more receptions than than Adam Troutman. I, that, that is feasible, and that's even with just Taysom Hill. What if Jason Jameis Winston is a starter? And I think the ceiling even rises a little bit more from there too. For best ball mania too, I still don't mind – Camara, Marquez Callaway, Jameis as a stack, just in case Jameis goes out there and slings the ball all over the field. So, but even without that, I think just Marcus Callaway is probably better at football than we kind of imagined coming out of the prospect. And everything from training camps positive, I'll buy it. On July 13th, we put out a video titled, Sorry, Emmanuel Sanders is better than Gabriel Davis. In that span of time, Hayden, Emmanuel Sanders has moved up 33 spots, nearly three rounds in ADP. And Gabriel Davis has only moved down one spot. In fact, Gabriel Davis is still being drafted ahead of Emmanuel Sanders and ahead of Cole Beasley. It's a trap. Go and draft Emmanuel Sanders right now, 133 overall, wide receiver 61. Part of this is also a pitch against Gabriel Davis, but like in the final four games of the regular season, plus three in the playoffs when he was like as a starter and also back with John Brown, he had a catch rate of 39.5% on 34 targets, Hayden. It is so clear to me when you follow the money, look at what decisions are made, the Bills want to keep Gabriel Davis as their number four wide receiver. And I'm not knocking that. That's probably a good thing because they're probably going to be second in the NFL, maybe behind the Cardinals in, in 10 personnel this season. Who do we want as their number three receiver? It's Emmanuel Sanders. Again, I am telling you to kick your age model to the curb because John Brown, his 16-game pace last year, and granted, he only played eight games in the regular season, 92 catches, 59 yards, excuse me, 92 targets, 59 yards, 814, and five touchdowns. Hayden, Hayden, we're going to get that from Emmanuel Sanders this year. Watch. All one up you. My next is Cole Beasley. Last year in 2020, wide receiver 37 and a half PPR points per game. He was seventh in yards per route run versus zone coverage. A huge part of the Bills' 11 and 10 personnel offense. Cole Beasley's not coming off the field. He's not retiring. He's not getting kicked off the field. They want to win a Super Bowl. Cole Beasley's a huge part of the offense, and he's being drafted literally twice as deep as where he finished last season Crazy. just because of his Twitter account. It's August 20th. They're kicking off in, what, three weeks from now? And Cole Beasley's still out there running routes with the team. Nothing's changed. Why are we still letting his, his ADP dip? So I'll I'll take Cole Beasley over Emmanuel Sanders and Gabe Davis. Right now, Emmanuel Sanders dealing with a little bit of a foot injury. Cole Beasley, I want him out there. He's a huge part of this offense. The Bills need him. Everyone needs him. He's going to be out there. Like you said, Cole Beasley's going as 138-ish overall. Our combined 
rankings, which you can find in the draft guide, have him as a top 100 player. As gross, as gross as it is, the further his ADP drops, the more and more I want to draft him. And the more and more I will draft him. I've moved him in down to my rankings just so if you're using my rankings, you're not drafting him five rounds. If I was just ranking this based off where I think he's going to finish, he would even be higher in my rankings. I'm just making sure I'm like kind of staying with the time so you're not reaching. So I, I think Michael or Cole Beasley is going to be like a, a weekly flex option like immediately. Totally. And he's different than the type that we think of in best ball. And this works for season long, too, where it's that guy who catches a 60 yard pass on Sunday night football, Monday night football. On a previous episode, I'm not going to do it now. I went through like his box scores for multiple games and it was four catches, 50 yards, a touchdown, six catches, 75 yards, eight catches, 60 yards and a score. Like he just get, racks that up over and over. He had 10 catch games over 100 yard games, two touchdown games. Draft Cole Beasley. Just don't look at his Twitter feed. Yeah, Just he's, draft he's, him. A, he's a focal point of the offense, and it's top three neutral pass rate. That's why he's a slot receiver. He's not winning downfield, but he co- he overcomes that by getting a million targets. So, yeah, draft him. This is going to be a quick one. Uh, people search for late-round tight ends, tier two tight ends. I'm going to give you Cole Komet at 170 overall at tight end 20. This might be the, one of the first ones we disagree on, Hayden. Um, I think the investment and the usage really matters for tight ends. I'm expecting, you know, first year players at the position do struggle. Kokomet was somewhat productive. I understand he's an inline player and we care a little bit more about players who play in the slot, but the Bears freaking love Kokomet. I've talked to a couple of people that are have their fingertips deep into the NFL. And they just rave, the Bears do, about Cole Komet. Again, as tight end 20, Hayden, I'm looking ahead to next year and like trying to envision players at the position that could be like top 12 options. And look, it's Allen Robinson, it's Darnell Mooney, two players we absolutely love. I would argue that David Montgomery is being drafted a little bit low for what his usage is going to be because Tariq Cohen is still ailing. And if Justin Fields is going to be the starter sooner rather than later, I think there needs to there, there's room for another option. And I think it can be Cole Komet for sure. This is a bet against Demir Bird, their wide receiver three, and Jimmy Graham. So I think I think that's it's not a bad bet. Uh going into the preseason, I was very worried about Cole Komet's where he's going to line up, how many routes he's going to run. The first preseason game was pretty encouraging. It wasn't just an inline role. He wasn't staying into block. So he's going to be somebody I'm going to be moving up my rankings next time. I'm I'm kind of with you. I mean, I'm going to take him over Mike Kosicki. And Mike Kosicki's being drafted as like tight end 12, tight end 13. There's a couple more names around that area. I understand you might not agree with me. We don't have to be totally in unison here. There could be a big second-year jump ahead for Cole Komet this year. Another potential second-year breakout, Jacoby Myers. uh, He played 60% of his snaps in the slot last year. But yesterday in the preseason game he played in 12 personnel and that's huge because we know the Patriots are going to be in 12 personnel for most most of the season because of their tight end investments last year very quietly I mean extremely quietly top 10 in yards per out run versus man coverage also top 10 in yards per out run versus zone coverage when you watch the tape you can tell how much Bill Belichick trust Jacoby Myers a lot of their flea flickers and weird weirdness going on with their offense last year it was go- funneling through Jacoby Myers, who just kind of blossomed out of nowhere from week eight on after he started, he uh, became a starter. He was 28th in 
yards per game. That's pretty insane for somebody that's being drafted well after that. Whenever you watch him, he's not going to kill you with explosiveness. You can just tell he understands it. He seems like the, the next slot Patriots Bill Belichick receiver, and I want to be buying that at 140th overall. Just like you paired my Emmanuel Sanders with your Cole Beasley, I'm pairing your Jacoby Myers with my Nelson Aguilar. 136 overall, wide receiver, 63. Hayden, people are just so locked in on believing last year's Patriots, I think, are going to repeat this year. And I, I think what we can tell from limited preseason action and just by the moves that they're making this offseason – they don't want to be the same team as last year. And look, I'm not saying that they're going to put up tons of passing volume, but the Patriots passing game is going to be better than it was in 2020. It it has to be. Again, efficiency-wise, I still think they're going to be top five in carries this year. But with two tight ends, with paying so much money to Nelson Aguilar, who $7 million cap hit this year, $15 million next year, Second highest A dot in the league last offseason, or excuse me, last year, I should say. Like you said, Demir Bird, 73 targets last year. Nikhil Harry, 55 targets. Nelson Aguilar, I'm not asking for 100 targets. Who got 82 in 2020, Hayden, and turned it into the wide receiver 36 overall season, 10.4 points per game. And again, he's being drafted as the wide receiver 63. I do think Jacoby Myers has outplayed him in preseason. But I still believe in following the money, believing and investing in what offenses we believe are underappreciated. And I truly feel the Patriots right now are. They're not even competing that much against each other just because Nelson Aguilar runs a very defined route tree all downfield. When I rewatched the game, more than half of his routes were like literally just go routes for Nelson Aguilar. So Nelson Aguilar will have some spiked weeks. He might be better in best ball. And then Jacoby Myers might be better in your uh, home league on Yahoo or wherever else. But I do think that Jacoby Myers has a chance potentially to lead this team in targets. I think he's going to be more reliable than Nelson Aguilar. So it's kind of just pick your poise on what, what type of receiver you're looking for. Look, I think Cam can play better than he did last year. But if he doesn't, he is going to be replaced by Mac Jones. And Mac Jones also can handle downfield passing. Get this perception out of your head that Mac Jones is a limited player. I'm not calling him Justin Fields. I'm not calling him Trey Lance. He wasn't the number three overall selection. He went in the teens, and guess what? He landed in an awesome situation. I I, I do think, Hayden, like part of winning in fantasy football is just figuring out where the public is wrong. And we early on, we thought they were wrong about the the Bills' number three wide wide receiver, and they're still wrong about not taking their slot wide receiver. I think they're just wrong about the Patriots right now because you know me and my Damian Harris love, and I'm right there with you with both of these pass catchers at wide receiver. And I think one of those tight ends is absolutely going to hit too. We're very pro Patriots because our boss is a Patriots fan. We're trying to get that that promotion next year. Or we believe in Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels. And that was just like a bad season that they had last year. And now they're getting back on the right track. That's what I believe. That's what I believe. Okay. The most egregious ADP right now is Alexander Madison. I mean, I seriously do not understand this for even a half of a second. He's being drafted 152nd overall. The last two years, Dalvin Cook has received 303 touches and 356 touches. We're talking about a player with ACL uh, concerns from a couple years ago. He's dislocated both of his shoulders at times. He's somebody that's going to get the rock a million times this year. He's among the league leaders in 
the risk of an injury. And Alexander Madison last year had two opportunities with Dalvin Cook missing missing time. The first one, everyone remembers, he busted. The Falcons were up 20 to 0 going into halftime and he got game scripted out of the game. But in week 17, he had 21 carries, 95 yards, two touchdowns, three receptions, played on more than half the snaps. Alexander Madison's actually good at football. I'm very confident in that. Fifth in elusiveness rating, uh, 31st out of 63 in yards after contact, and he's averaged 4.6 yards per carry, probably the best offensive line the Vikings had in a little bit. I think that Alexander Madison would be a top 10 fantasy option every single time Dalvin Cook misses misses a game, and there's nobody being drafted around him that you can say that about. Alexander Madison is actually good at football, and he has the potential role in a good offense. You can't say that about anyone else in this range. Yeah, the, the term handcuff or, or running back insurance, it can be faulty sometimes in, in your typical managed season-long leagues because we think we have this assumption of the player. We also assume that like as soon as the starter goes down, like in Dalvin Cook's case, then his backup can go in there and the coaches believe in him as well. That can vary from team to team to team, so it's not a universal statement here. I'm right there with you, though, with Alexander Madison. The draft capital investment was there. They allowed Mike Boone to leave. They drafted a backup in Kanaean Wanglu, who's going to play special teams at best and who didn't even have, like, 200 carries in, in college. Look, Alexander Madison and, like, his limited samples when us sitting at computers and telling you who to start in those games, it really hasn't worked out, Hayden, but that's such a small sample that like, don't lock into that. Alexander Madison is a super talented player who creates yards on his own. And that offense, Hayden, part of me wants to bring up Kirk Cousins too. I'm not going to because I've already brought up two quarterbacks. Talk about bankable and like what they are is, is what you get with the offensive line, with play action, with some high variance weeks with, you know, Justin Jefferson and, and Adam Thielen and that running scheme. I, I absolutely love Alexander Madison in this spot. He's just better than what people think. It's 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 fading recency bias. It's fading sam- small sample bias. I mean, could you get more profitable than fading those two things? Like you literally can't. He's like betting against every bad thing that you can leech onto, and he's actually good at football. Yeah, uh, it's so tough to pick running backs though here because it, it is kind of running back insurance. I'll quickly do one. You don't have Darrington Evans on your list, do you? I have him later on. I was going to talk about him, but yeah, it's okay. the same no, no, we'll Don't wait. We'll, no, we'll, we'll wait. Uh, I'll throw out another wide receiver. This is someone you all know, you all loved, has been one of the best players in the NFL at his position in a decade, yet we let this soar, this stain of 2020, drop him all the way down to 153 overall, wide receiver 70. Yes, that is A.J. Green, who actually, in fact, Hayden, has climbed 33 spots in the last two months, you know? And it's Are you because still in? I'm still in. I think that this is where he should be drafted and should have been drafted all along. Um, he's up eight wide receiver spots overall, 79 to 71. I want that attachment to Kyler Murray. This is an easy way to get there. We talked about this with, with James Conner. Look, DeAndre Hopkins is going as wide receiver five. That's rich, but I understand it. Rondell Moore is electric. He's also going as wide receiver 57 after basically playing just one season of college football and will have somewhat of like probably a limited role in terms of his usage here in year one. DeAndre Hopkins, again, the starting left wide receiver. And yes, we can say that with the Cardinals because that's where he's going to run 
80% of his routes. Wide receiver five, the starting right wide receiver in A.J. Green, wide receiver 70. It mathematically cannot be as bad as last year, and I'm still buying at this wide receiver 70 price. And I'm sorry for everyone seeing him go in rounds 12 and 13 in the moment when Hayden, you and I were drafting a lot of him at wide receiver 17, excuse me, round 17 and 18. I'm praying for you, Josh. I mean, this one could come back to bite you, but I love the quadruple down for old AJ. It's a quadruple I, down. I, I'm, I'm, I am with you. I'm just not going to keep tweeting about it. Enough already with the tweets. There's, this can go sideways very fast, but I think that you've been right this entire offseason. So I'm right there with you. Well, look, I mean, these are the names going around him at that wide receiver spot. Jalen Rager, not fan. Randall Cobb, I'm okay without you. Sterling Shepard, no, pass. Sammy Watkins, we're going to do that again. I'd much rather take the chance of potentially going with the overall quarterback one in Kyler Murray and riding this wave and hoping I'm right. I realize now, Hayden, I've picked three wide receivers over the age of 31 right now in this stream. I mean, you are just kicking the age model in the nuts here. This is something like I've never seen before. Here's another age age model person, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Let's lean into this. 160th overall. The last three seasons, he's finished 19th, 19th, and 5th in fantasy points per game among 45 quarterbacks over that stretch. 4th in success rate, ninth in yards per attempt, 12th in EPA per dropback, 13th in completion percentage over expected. I think he's kind of interesting in this offense, a Scott Turner offense who you and I have attached our names to because they play with pace in uh, 2019 when uh, Scott Turner had a little bit of offense to work with. They were fifth in neutral pace. They were ninth in play action rate. They were 11th on pass rate on early downs. They use pre-snap motion. Now he has the weapons to work with. Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be somebody you're not going to like love starting him all the time. But when bye weeks roll around, when you need that second quarterback for these crazy shootout games, we know Fitzmagic's the guy that you want to be uh, calling out his name for. Bet on the beard, bet on the sunglasses, bet on the the press conferences. Everything you need from a backup quarterback is Ryan Fitzpatrick. I am nervous about that offensive line the closer that we get. I am nervous that we do forget about the roller coaster that can be Ryan Fitzpatrick. And we're like, just from a win total perspective, we're thinking that, oh, Fitz has got this. This offense has completely, you know, elevated its game to match what the defense can do. But then, Hayden, I, I also think back, and it's what you suggested. People get so focused on what happened last year and how it predicts this year. Throw Washington's offense out of there. Like, that is yep. not what Scott Turner wants to be at all when you're forced to play. Dwayne Haskins, Alex Smith, Taylor Heineke, and Kyle Allen. They don't want to use J.D. McKissick in that same exact way. They don't want to have like the lowest A dot in the NFL. Ryan Fitzpatrick with Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, Adam Humphreys, and Logan Thomas, along with Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick. It might be too big to fail. And I, I think Scott Turner is going to make a real name for himself this season. And at worst, and I know we're talking about Fitzpatrick, but I do want to say, at worst, I think Taylor Heineke can get you by as a backup quarterback if he needs to for a couple games. Ryan Fitzpatrick's starting. I'm not worried about Oh, no, 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 no. I'm saying, like, for an injury to keep them in the playoff front, I think that's a pretty good situation that they have going with Washington. I will say that Ryan Fitzpatrick kind of gets this narrative that he's just, like, some crazy gunslinger that can't keep things under control. Those were some terrible teams that he was on 
and he's talked about it in interviews that he says, I don't want to play like that. When I'm in a lead, I could handle and tone things down. But when you're playing with the Jets and you're getting 40 points hung on you, that's when you go crazy with these these long bombs all the time. You saw with when Tua was getting bent, he would come in and just throw the ball over the place. I don't think that he's going to have to do that anymore just because the environment around him is quietly much better than it's ever been for him. That's kind of like the, the Philip Rivers gene that like if I'm down by 10 points with four oh, minutes yeah. left, I'm just going to try to throw it down the field. And we it's the best. We it's love that. We love that so much rather than just pad your stats and get nervous about making mistakes. Uh, let's go to another wide receiver, one who I thought had a really good preseason week one and might carry it. And this this offense is loaded. You have Corton Sutton. You have Jerry Judy. You have Noah Fant. You have Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams. I want to talk about KJ Hamler at wide receiver 83, 183 overall. You've talked about it a lot. Better in best ball, a term you came up with this summer. I'll throw out names like Jan Rager, 144 overall. Marquez Vada-Scantling, 173 overall. Deami Brown, 175 is just like a, like a, a, a chance that people are drafting him that high, higher than someone like KJ Hammer, even Brashad Perryman, 181. That is just so much hopes and dreams right there. But KJ Hamler has legit, legit high variance, big play upside. I'm not necessarily advocating for you to take him in a standard managed league. But what we do in underdog in terms of setting your lineup, your optimal lineup after the week is over, after all the points are scored, I would be shocked if KJ Hamler doesn't find himself in startable weeks in three to four times per season this year. Totally agree. One of the fastest players in the entire NFL. I mean, he had some insane plays at Penn State. And I went on Denver radio with Benjamin Albright. And we're just kind of going through all the ADPs for the Broncos. And he said that the two best values by far on the team were Melvin Gordon as RB36. He thinks that he's going to be the starter for a little bit. And the other name, he's like, KJ Hamler, wide receiver 83. Like, you guys are out of your mind that he's that low. He's going to be a pretty big part of this offense. The spike weeks are there. I'm pretty confident that KJ Hammer is like a legit NFL player. And a lot of the names that you just listed, not convinced of that being the case. So I know the offense isn't something you want to bet on, but he's so cheap. It's worth the dice roll, I think. Yeah. And I do want to bring this up because we have, you know, viewers who just hear about best ball, but have never played best ball before. This is from Owen. What best ball is it's one quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, one tight end and one flex. That is the lineup, but there are 18 rounds in a standard underdog draft. So your lineup is set after all the games are played after Monday. I mean, it, it will be live and updating, but after all the games are played that week. And so if KJ Hamler, for example, you don't have to go in there. There's no waivers. There's no trades. There's no you know lineup setting. If he has those two or three spiked weeks, four spiked weeks during the season, Maybe they're 12, 13, 18 points, 25 points like he had against the Panthers last year. Then that's going to be automatically inserted in there. So you don't have to worry about, well, is this the right matchup to play him against this bad corner, so on and so forth. His best weeks will be in your lineup. So that's basically a simple version of best ball. And there is nobody that I can talk about more perfectly for better in best ball than my next guy, Marquez Valdez-Scanling. In fact, on Underblog, I wrote an entire column called quantifying bro he's better in best ball only talking about mvs because he wins downfield he has these massive spiked weeks and that's when mvs is in your lineup you can't predict them you can't predict 70 yard touchdowns but i'm confident as the second outside receiver 
the primary deep threat on the Packers. Aaron Rodgers is back. MVS is going to have some massive spike tweaks. If the Packers aren't scoring as many touchdowns in general this year, that means that they're going to pass the ball more. This is a high floor, high ceiling offense. 37% of his, tar- of his targets traveled more than 20 yards downfield. I know they brought in Randall Cobb. I know they drafted Amari Rodgers. Those are slot guys, very defined roles near the yards, uh, near the line of scrimmage. MVS, his role is not changing. And last year, in better and best ball points per game, he was the 73rd overall player. He's being drafted 170th. So I think that he's somebody, maybe not in your home league, but in certainly in best ball, you have to buy the dip. I think people are concerned about the target competition. It doesn't affect MVS. His role is perfectly safe in this offense. Yeah, I, I think that it would be shocking if he doesn't have, again, three to four to five games where he's in your starting lineup because he yep. posts, you know, huge weeks. He he is the poster player for Monday Night Football, one pass, 60 yards, touchdown. That's exactly who I think about in that moment. It's Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And it's not like you're having to pay a price for that at all, Hayden. He is, like you said, going at 173 overall. And I think part of it is people's experience just playing in season long and hate having to make decisions on a player like MVS. No decisions need to be made. We do that for you. And oh, and by the way, you're still in the chat. Go deposit, skip the guacamole, deposit that an underdog. You get a free $25 if you use promo code the show. Go and like try five five dollar drafts. It's the perfect way to prepare for either a season long league or to enter this one million dollar puppy three that we have on underdog right now. Again, deposit, skip the guacamole, put that into your underdog account, promo code the show, boom, straight out of Hayden's pocket, $25 free in your account. Oh, and we got you. Sub to the channel, too. We got you. You're in good hands. We got you. Yeah. While you're here, everyone, like and subscribe down below. Like and subscribe down below. You don't want to miss. We got a couple more names here. Don't want to miss Monday's show after we wrap up all of this preseason week two action because major edges exist and we are finding them for you. I think that was 17, Hayden. I think we're now on to 18. And I've gone to the age model on one side. Let's now go to the completely opposite end. We're deep, deep, deep now. Let's talk about Kadarius Tony, 211 overall, wide receiver, 96. Look, I'm not sitting here and I'm not going to make the case that Kadarius Tony is like a good football player or that he was the right pick in the first round for the New York Giants or even believing in the New York Giants this year or believing that Kadarius Tony is going to like hit the ground running immediately once he comes back and like plays in preseason activity or banking on like all of those negatives. I kind of believe in a lot of them, Hayden, but guess what? They're all baked in already. So when you get to round 17, round 18, heck even round 16, you hate the board. Kadarius Tony 211 overall wide receiver. 96 is a manufactured touch player who we've seen turn nothing into something during his Florida career has electric football in your hands, playmaking ability, and has first round draft capital. Again, Tato Jones had like 12 touchdowns last season. I don't know if that can repeat. I don't love Jason Garrett either. All of those bad things are at this ADP right now. 
you're only drafting for what could be. He might not start a single week for you, but Hayden, it could be five <laughs> weeks as well. This is very convincing. No, I'm I mean, super look, I'm, I'm just being honest that how often at 211 overall can you get a guy who was just drafted right. in the first round with yep. so much draft capital invested in him who could actually make plays with the ball in his hands? And that's what you're getting. And it's still dropping. His ADP probably dropped another three spots since I've, I started talking about Kadarius Tony. It was such a good argument. I'm so surprised that his ADP would keep dropping. But I'm with you. I have him way ahead in my rankings. Range of outcomes play. He is flashy. Maybe they can get him on the field after the bye week and he has a couple big weeks. That's all you can ask for. That's all, you That's can all we're for. looking for. That's all we're looking for. All right. Another one. Rashad Penny, 170th overall. He's healthy right now. And he has first round capital. He has done nothing with it. All Everything's been bad for the last couple of years, kind of like Kadarius Tony. But Rashad Penny, first round draft capital. I don't think that Chris Carson is this automatic locked into the starting lineup for the entire season. He's missed a lot of time in the last couple of years. And I think that this is an offense that you want a little piece of. And Rashad Penny could be a three down guy if Chris Carson got hurt. So I think that Everyone's kind of forgot about him, but I think that there's still a path. It might take a, a rolled ankle from Chris Carson, but I think that Rashad Penny, as long as he's healthy, I think that he deserves to be one of the, these premium handcuff guys. Yeah. I don't think I need to add a comment onto that one. Perfect. I'm, 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 I'm glad he is healthy. They absolutely love Chris Carson, despite this first-round draft call. Obviously, they spent on Rashad Penny, and it's one of the scenarios we can make a case for a lot, and I think you have one more left, of running back insurance. Um, I think that one is figured out, though, because obviously Carlos Hyde is gone um, in comparison to where we were 365 days ago. Uh, speaking of insurance, we talk a lot about running back insurance. Let's go to wide receiver insurance. Again, these are 20 players outside of your top 100 to draft. I'm giving you two outside of the top 200. And this is Van Jefferson at 204 overall. I talked up Matthew Stafford. We love Robert Woods in the show. We like Cooper Cup. We really like Tyler Higby. Still, Daryl Henderson can be a value. If one of those top two wide receivers in Robert Woods and Cooper Cup goes down, Van Jefferson, I think, has a path to top 36 wide receiver scoring. And you're getting him outside of the top 200 right now. I understand it feels so selective to take those players in round 16, 17, 18. You're like, ah. Maybe we can find starting roles for them. When you look back on all of your teams, because I know you're going to draft 100 of them on Underdog this summer, look back at all those from like rounds 12 to round 18, running back insurance, your quarterback twos or in threes, and then wide receivers that had an unexpectedly much larger role than any of us are predicting right now. It might have to be through injury, but Van Jefferson has a path to a top 36 wide receiver season, I think. When I've been at Rams training camp, Van Jefferson's been starting in three wide receiver sets. But I do think that the path for him is he needs he needs an injury to one of the top two guys. And he would go right into that role. And then Deshaun Jackson would remain in this uh, low snap count role, a very important role for Matthew Stafford, but a low volume one nonetheless. Van Jefferson has the potential to be more of an every down player for the Rams in the event of an injury. So I'm right there with you. I think they just buy the Rams in any way you can do it buy the Rams. Okay. I think, I think that is 20 Hayden. I know you have I some got more. I got I more I, rapid fire, please. Go ahead. All right. Hunter Henry, I think is the tight end too, that we're looking for. Why tight end for the Patriots ever heard of Gronkowski. This is the same role that Hunter Henry is in. I think that's going to be more of an every down player. Johnny Smith's going to be the one that's going to be in and out of the lineup. 
I kind of banking on Hunter Henry. He can get, he can get very lucky with touchdowns and, and pay off as your tight end too. The last three names, Darrington Evans, he's Derrick Henry's handcuff. He is a legit good player like Alexander Madison. We heard nothing from him because of an injury, but third round draft capital, plenty of speed, plenty of production, could play on all three downs as well. And then the two deep sleepers, both wide receivers, both rookies, Nico Collins and Dwayne Eskridge. Dwayne Eskridge, you get paired with Russell uh, Russell Wilson. He's, I think, going to be a three wide receiver set starter because the rest of the depth chart is, is really bleak. Both of these players, Nico Collins and Dwayne Eskridge, are great athletes. And I think that they're kind of being overlooked in a pretty deep wide receiver class. But I think that these two have a legit chance to being starters in an offense and both have big play potential. That's perfect for your last pick in best ball. I am seven wide receiver spots ahead of ADP on DJ Moore. I'm seven wide receiver spots ahead than consensus on Robbie Anderson. As you know, as we talked about on the show, we're ahead of ADP on Terrace Marshall that means we have to be ahead of ADP on Sam Darnold, too. I think he's going around quarterback 28 or 29. I'm not saying look for him to be a top 12 quarterback, but even that like quarterback 22 range feels about right. And quickly, we talk about spiked weak players, high variance players. I look back at the worst offenses we've seen in the NFL over the last few years. Their top pass catcher is basically forced to be a spiked weak player. So if you are considering drafting, Brandon Cooks in the top 90, which he's going right now, is 89 overall. Take a deep breath. Look around the board. Find someone else you like. And instead, if you want exposure to that Houston Texans team, maybe take a big leap of faith into the unknown and go with Nico Collins. Nico Collins there in like the 190, 200 range, I think is a better pick than what you're getting out of Brandon Cooks there in the top 90. Uh, they'll be starters by at least by the halfway point of the season. E- either one of Collins or Eskridge could be week one starters. So that's all you can ask for. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is it. We're getting out before the preseason action kicks off. Before we leave, we need all of you in the chat right now, or if you're watching with us on YouTube, listening to the show, like and subscribe down below. It truly, truly does help us out. Cannot wait for preseason action. We'll be back here on Monday with the major takeaways, the rankings refresh, all the edges that you need to know to help you win on underdog this season. For Hayden, I am Josh. Up the villa, everyone. Talk to you all soon. Good luck out there. Enjoy the weekend. See ya.